Welcome to Creating Your Happy Place, a podcast that explores what it takes to create your happy place and then empowers you to do whatever it takes to make sure that your home makes you seriously happy. I'm Rebecca West, host of Creating Your Happy Place and author of the book, Happy Starts at Home, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, today marks the end of our first season of Creating Your Happy Place, and we'll be taking a little break while I work on moving into a new home myself. I thought it would be great to end the season with a guest who's ended one chapter to start a whole new one. So today we're talking with a gal who traded the white picket fence for a life on the road, living in a fifth wheel RV with her husband and her two cats. Now, one of the challenges of living tiny is having enough room for the daily activities of life. When you're choosing an RV, you have to make some serious decisions about your priorities. Do you need more closet space or do you need a small space to work from home? Do you need a dining table to seat six or a second sleeping and working space? Maybe that's more important. Just because someone chooses to live tiny doesn't mean they want to give up their hobbies or career. In the case of our guest, she is the author of three plant-based cookbooks and is not only an avid cook, but also a plant-based eating coach. So taking her career on the road meant making sure she could still run her business from home and cook fabulous plant-based meals. I'm so curious to hear about her transition from that white picket fence life to a home on wheels, what obstacles she faced and maybe continues to face in making this move, and what we can learn from her when making our own tiny kitchens work as hard as we need them to. I am delighted to welcome to the show the CEO of VegInspired.com and plant-based lifestyle coach, Kathy Davis. Welcome, Kathy. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share my story with you and really help inspire your audience. I am excited to have this conversation and I've really been looking forward to it. And okay, so you're living in a fifth wheel with your husband and two cats. And I know a lot of people want to follow in your footsteps. I have a lot of questions for you, one of which has to do with your cats and how the heck they don't get lost. But let's start by hearing where were you living before you went on the road and what lifestyle were you craving that you couldn't get while being housebound? Yes, I'd love to share that. So before we hit the road, we were living in a you know, 2,500 square foot townhome. It was an end unit, full walkout basement that was finished, a nice second story deck. It was exactly the dream home that we wanted. We were north of Pittsburgh in the suburbs and my husband and I both had great jobs. Our cars were in lease. So we always got a new car and we were, we were living the American dream, right? College educated, going to work nine to five, got it all going on. But we knew something was missing. We were craving travel. And every time that we traveled, to a new city and checked out the vegan restaurants or, you know, got to do the touristy things. We wanted more of it, yeah. but PTO, family events, things of that nature always ate up our time. Mm -hmm. And we really wanted to look at ways that we could get that travel, fix that travel bug, right? Solve that missing link mm -hmm. and start to explore the United States more than we've been able to do bound by a home and jobs that we commuted to every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, obviously you made the leap, but the process of going from dream to reality can be quite a journey. What obstacles and fears did you face when you were trying to make this dream turn into a reality? One of the big obstacles, honestly, was our mindset. When we first started exploring this, we had the, when our cars are paid off. 
when I get a promotion, mm. when X happens, when Y happens. And the more we prolonged it, the more we wanted it, the more we mm -hmm. yearned for it. And we would try and take weekend trips or take a day off and, you know, but you can only go so far in a physical space in that, you know, in those short time periods and really be able to see. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the biggest obstacles was our mindset. But the other big obstacle was stuff, right? We live in a 35 foot fifth wheel. It's about 300 square feet. <laughs> That's a little bit smaller than that 2,500 square foot townhouse. Yeah. And we had stuff, not a lot of stuff. We'd, we'd only been living in that townhouse for about five years, but we had stuff. And that's a big hangup for a lot of people, I think, is that how do we get rid of that heirloom furniture that was passed down to us? Or how do we decide if we want to get rid of our wedding, you know, all the things we kept from our wedding? And I'm, I'm mentioning these specifically because I didn't get rid of them. <laughs> tiny little storage unit still outside of Pittsburgh. And every month when that bill goes out, I think to myself, am I ready to move on from that? Yeah. And the, the stuff was an obstacle. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about how you overcame that, like what tools did you use to make decisions and get you through the baby steps of moving forward? Yes. One, one of the big things that we did is before we purchased the RV that we're living, that we're in right now, we actually contacted the salesman and asked if we could sit in it. We measured the spaces. We, we looked at the wall space. We looked at closet space. We looked at different parts of the RV to determine where things made sense. And then we went room by room and we had, you know, basically four piles. Keep it in the RV keep it in storage, sell it, mm -hmm. donate it. And then the last one was trash, but we, our stuff wasn't really, we had, didn't have trash things. So there wasn't a lot in that. It was usually just, you know, more to give away or sell and stuff like that. Right. More of a donation or a, or sales. And those four questions we would ask, we really had to say, does this mean something to us? Does it hold value as far as like internal value, not monetary value? Because we found early on that we could replace anything that didn't hold intrinsic value. Sure. So I can't replace my wedding dress necessarily or a photo album, but I could replace a skillet or a knife set. So we started mm -hmm. to really look at things as is this replaceable if we need it later? Yeah. And that was a huge, huge, you know, piece for us and a, and a great tool and a great question to ask as we were navigating the clean out and really starting to downsize into such a small space. Now I'm curious, well, first of all, how long have you been on the road so far? We left Pittsburgh in October, 2018. That's when we moved out of our home. So it's been, at the time of recording, it's about, well, it's just under three years. Yeah, so that's long enough to like have settled into this lifestyle. Now, my mom, for those of listeners who know this, but many people don't know this, she lived on a boat for three years. 
on a sailboat. It was a 30, no, it was a 40 foot sailboat. So very similar to your situation. They made a lot of those same decisions. And she came to regret some of the decisions she made in terms of what to hold on to, what to let go of. In particular, there were a lot of books that she let go of, never expecting she would want them. And she misses a number of them. And none of us can make perfect decisions. In reflection, what do you feel like you held on to that you didn't need to? And are there any things that you're like, oh, you know, I wish I had actually held on to that? I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of things that we might have purchased since then that I wished that I'd held on to. There, there are a lot of things that I have that I didn't need. In fact, since going on the road, we have done multiple cleanouts of items that we didn't need. You know, we have a really large teak cutting board that we brought that doesn't fit on our kitchen island in the RV. We tried it for a couple months and then it ended up in a shelf. And now it's in the basement because we have a friend that wants it. You start to learn what you use every day and what you don't use. You know, Mm -hmm. did I need to bring a full set of silverware? Probably not. And you start (laughs) to learn, you start to learn what you do need and what you don't need. There may be some things that I'm trying to think like what I've replaced that I got rid of. Oh, so a couple of odd things. I got rid of all of my coffee mugs thinking that I would only drink coffee out of a stainless steel Yeti style cup. Yeah. I hated it. I just, (laughs) I just wanted to hold that warm coffee mug in the morning, especially in those cold months. Now we chase flip-flop weather, so we don't have cold months, but some months it's in the you know, forties or fifties when we get up. I mean, it's not always 75 and sunny everywhere we are. So I did, I did add coffee mugs. So it's little things like that. And almost about the ritual of it, right. That the object allows for this ritual and that comfort that you didn't necessarily anticipate, you know, wasn't identified with a mug. It was literally having a mug of any kind. Correct. So it wasn't the, it wasn't the specific item. It's more I wasn't going to use glass in the RV, but we've now since have wine glasses and beer glasses because you miss, you miss drinking out of those adult beverage items. (laughs) Yes. And instead of sippy cups. (laughs) Yes. And that's exactly what it is. It kind of became, this is a home. And in order to make it a home, we really need to have the comforts of home. So I didn't think I would want pillows on the couch because we move frequently. I have to put them away, but I still get them out. Even if we're only going to be here for a few days, it's just the comforts. It's just those little things that keep it homey. Yeah. Perfect. I think that's so interesting. I, I I travel with a a little travel blanket and I just, you know, oftentimes you go to a hotel or Airbnb and they have extra blankets, but a lot of times they don't. I never have enough space to pack a robe, which is what I really want to cuddle up in at night. But just having this very thin fleecy travel blanket gives me that snuggle that I want at the end of a day. And it doesn't take a lot, but it does take a few key ingredients to give you that, those, those comforts, those creature comforts. Yes. Yes. That's so interesting. So what surprise obstacles have come up that you didn't see coming? Well, this is always the one that people are like, Oh, I can't believe it. So we moved into our house in the middle of the month of October, two weeks before we were ready to hit the road. And we got a call the day after we moved all of our stuff in, we were headed back to the, to our house to 
you know, clean it up for the new buyer. When you say you moved into your house, you're talking about moving into the RV. That into the RV, correct. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were headed back to the, the townhouse to clean it up for the buyer. We got a call from our age, our real estate agent saying that the, the transaction may fall through. Oh no. And everybody's like, what did you do? And I said, we sat down and took a breath. Those, yeah. because our, because our adventure occurred so fast, we didn't actually have a spot to park the following weekend. So, take off. so we were going to drive our motor, our RV, tow our RV up to my in-laws for yeah. the weekend. And because the campground we were staying in didn't have a parking spot for the, for that weekend. But because the house sale fell through for, you know, eventually it went through a couple, you know, about a month later. So it's, yeah. it's a fine story. But when you look at that silver lining, we were able to put the RV in storage and utilize the house because we still owned it. And it really is about looking at the silver lining. I tell people all the time, that moment, that moment in time was a pivotal moment for us. That obstacle was not what we were expecting two days mm-hmm. before closing. Mm-hmm. And it, it was that moment when we, my husband and I had to say, we're in this, there's no going back. Yeah. We're moving forward. This is just a bump and we get to, we get a benefit from it. And that new outlook, that progressive imperfect action outlook has changed everything. That's like the weird obstacle, but then like the RV life obstacles, you know, sometimes the blinds don't work like little things that, (laughs) that you don't think about just little repairs that need to happen or the power goes out. So little things that you could have prepared for, sure, but you might not have prepared for because you don't necessarily think it's going to happen to me or those are not common enough occurrences that you, we don't need to buy a generator if the power goes out at a campground once every six months in three years. Right. So it's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, do you set yourself up for every emergency that can happen or do you kind of roll with the punches? Right. And it's interesting because you're talking about kind of the same things that people would have to deal with in owning a home without wheels, you know, the window treatments breaking or the power going out. What what makes it unique given that you're traveling constantly when these, when these issues come up? So oftentimes it's a repair situation. Mm -hmm. If if the RV requires some type of repair, our refrigerator didn't work and we had to take it in, which if you were living in a house, the repair person would come out, you might just buy a new refrigerator, but you could go on about your life. This I have to drop off somewhere. You have to drop off your house to be repaired. (laughs) Correct. And I can't leave my cats in it while it's being repaired. Right. So then what do you do now? So our pivot has, our backup plan has always been pet-friendly hotels. Mm -hmm. Well, cats that travel full-time and in their own house, they don't really love pet-friendly hotels. So that becomes an experience on its own as well and how to make them comfortable with, with those little obstacles. So it's, it's little things, little nuances like that that you may not consider. Now, we, we researched this a lot. We're pretty type A. We, got, we had all the list of all the things that could happen, but you don't ever really know. Yeah. 
You don't well, ever really know. When you live in a standard home, over time, you have a whole list of resources and you can just go back to your repair place or your doctor. But you find yourself in the middle of Milwaukee with whatever problem and there are no go-to resources. Have you found that there's a community that you can tap into for resources? Or like, is there, like, do your, does the person who sold you the RV have like a network of helpers? Like what's, what's the landscape? There are a lot of full-time RVers that you can easily reach out to. We follow a lot of them on Instagram. We're connected. But one of the, the biggest resources is usually your RV parks. So, excuse me. I... We had a repair issue with our roof. It was, we get on the roof each time we move usually and just check to make sure nothing odd is happening. You know, things like that, that you're not climbing up on your house roof. Nope. <laughs> but we're, we're, you know, my husband usually climbs up on the roof to make sure a tree branch or something didn't happen. And he noticed some peeling. This was about a month ago. And so I called the campground we were headed to next, did a little, please don't rain <laughs> request. <laughs> from mother nature, please don't rain and called the campground we were headed to and asked if they had a mobile repair person that they recommended or that was advertised in their campground map because a lot of campgrounds have advertising mm. and I know they can't guarantee them. So I usually get the names, look them up. They have good reviews. I call them ahead of time and say, we're coming in. Mm -hmm. Do you have an opening? And that allows me to kind of plan my, my trip around that. Fortunately, knock on wood, we haven't had any unplanned, nothing that needed an urgent repair. Everything's been been planned. And we've had some odd things that that needed to be fixed. We got to one campground and the crown molding had fallen off due to the bumpiness of the road. You just don't know. I mean, these are these are built-in factories and the road, they say going down the highway is like an a 4.0 earthquake for sure. home. Yeah, constantly. And that's probably the good roads. Right. <laughs> right. The bumpy roads really are bumpy. So I want to go back to the cats for a second, because that was such a great little opening for me. When I read that you are traveling with your two cats, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, do they stay in the RV? Are they allowed out? Do they have a catio? Are they leash walkers? How, how, tell me. What do you do? Yes. So we have, they're crated when we drive and they ride in the truck with us. So obviously the fifth wheel is a towable mm -hmm. camper and they do want to go out. When we started RVing, we had three and they each have a different personal personality on where they, how they want to go out. Sure. We have one, his name's Eddie. And he wants to be outside, but as soon as he gets out there, any noise, any person, he darts right back up the steps and wants to go in. He's even gone as far as to climb up the screen to try and get in the little, <laughs> he's just a scaredy cat, but he wants to be out there. So we'll sit at the door and cry. So we do leash them and let them walk out. And there's a lot of times that they'll walk with us. Murphy, he also wants to be outside, but he's a Houdini with his harness and will wiggle him yeah. right out and you have to be paying attention to him and then scooter who's no longer with us he wanted to be out and he was our friendly one so if somebody walked by he would you know if they came onto the site he would go up and let them pet him and he was very good on the leash he would walk with me and 
not far, he wouldn't go too far, but he really enjoyed being outside. And we have a funny story about him. All three cats worked on our, our screen door that we have in the RV enough to create a hole. <laughs> and one evening, John is my husband. We were walking around one of the campgrounds and I, we came around a corner and I said, is that Scooter? He said, yeah, I think so. And I said, what's he doing in the neighbor's yard? And <laughs> he had pushed himself through the screen and went on his own little walk. So needless to say, we've replaced the screen and added a protection so they can't get out. But yeah. one of the best advices that people had given us about the cats was to have them microchipped in case they do get, do get out. Mm-hmm. We, other than Scooter going on that little walk, adventure walk, we really haven't had an issue, but we're very guarded with, you know, them by the door. When we travel, we really make sure that they're, like I said, sealed in their crates so that they're not, they don't get out at a rest area or anything like that, because those, those are the places that if people lose a pet, it's typically in those transition phases. Mm -hmm. And that was something that we did research on ahead of time, just to be prepared and what would happen. Because if you lose them in a rest area on the highway, you're not going to stay there and wait for them to come back. And of course, so much traffic. So, so scary. So terrifying. Can I ask about the logistics of they're going to the bathroom? Like, I mean, cats don't do stuff on command. Or do they? I, I don't know. Well, they they don't really. So we've obviously, because it's a small space, we've learned their their habits. And we can kind of, oddly enough, time feedings to make it so they don't have accidents in the in the truck while we're driving. We also don't usually travel more than about four hours in a day, which mm. means that they're only in their carriers for about five hours, you know, a half an hour after we you know, as we're breaking down and then a half an hour when we get to a park and set back up. And then we just have one bigger litter box and we scoop it twice a day and they're, they're great. And so, so they do use the bathroom indoors in a litter box. Yes. I mean, finding a spot for a litter box is hard in a regular house. Where do you keep it? Right outside the bathroom on the landing going up to the fifth wheel. And then when we travel, it goes in the bathroom. When we first looked at the RV, we said, oh, well, we can put it in the bathroom. What we found is that when they jump, because it's a top entry litter box, mm-hmm. they jump into it. When they jump out, they would jump into the shower and then there'd be litter all over. So this way we have a little dust, dirt devil, little mini vacuum, oh. and we just kind of vacuum around, around them, keep it nice and tidy. I love it. I mean, it's really not that different from living in a bigger house. There's just less space, which is perfect segue into All right. So you're a professional recipe developer. You're a plant-based eating author and coach. What choices did you make when it came to choosing your RV and your mobile kitchen? And what, if anything, did you have to sacrifice to get the kitchen you needed? Yes. So our RV model is actually a GK, which stands for grand kitchen. And (laughs) really the big sacrifice is I'd say living space. And it's not that the living space is small. It's just that the Island is larger. So it slightly goes into the living room, Mm -hmm. but it's not any different than having, you know, a house that has an open floor plan. Like I always joke around that this is just our great room, right? (laughs) It's the center of the home anyway. We don't, we don't normally spend a lot of time, you know, in, 
even in real life, you don't spend a lot of time in your bedroom unless you put something in there to intentionally spend time in there. Mm -hmm. If you make a little reading nook or whatever, then you might spend more time. But for us, all of our time is spent out here in this great room anyway. So conversations can happen from the, the dining table, which is where my desk is, and the kitchen. Somebody can be sitting on the couch while we're making you know, dinner. If we had people over, it, it was just it made sense. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful backdrop for our recipe videos, which is one of the reasons why we picked it, right? I wanted to be able to continue to share my recipes right. and I really needed to make sure that I had a space for that. And mm-hmm. the only big sacrifice is we don't have a dishwasher. I washed <laughs> the dishes. <laughs> that seems like a small sacrifice for the lifestyle that you want. Yes, I would agree. What about, what about when you want to, I mean, I'm sure you love each other, but what about when you want to get away from each other? How does that work? So we like to set up a little outside space so somebody can go outside. We do have a TV. There's a TV in the bedroom so somebody could go in there and kind of take a break. We have Wi-Fi so somebody, you know, the, the bedroom's really nice because we have a king bed, which is one of the non-negotiables. Right. Because I don't even have that in my real house. We had cats and they like to sleep on the bed and when you have <laughs> Three, I always said like three little puddles of cats and they're big male cats. <laughs> you didn't have room for anything else on the bed. So yeah. we did make sure that we, the option, the RV that we had had an option for a king. So that works really well. Somebody can go in there. We have a lot of pillows. You can kind of make a little cozy space and just kind of separate. And then for those of you watching, <laughs> I use noise canceling headphones a lot also to kind of signal that I'm doing something or that maybe mm-hmm. I just need to listen to quiet music and it, it, it works. Yeah, totally. Are there, is there anything that you miss about having a home that's not on wheels? I would say one of the things, you know, people, people ask that question a lot. And I think, I think sometimes it's, it's as simple as just not, you don't have the community, the you do have a community, but the community is different. The people around you change, the restaurants change, the grocery stores change. You know, for somebody who does a lot of recipe cooking, a lot of cooking, sometimes it's hard just not being able to find your favorite foods and your favorite ingredients, the brands you really like. I would say that that's probably one of the things that I miss. You know, I can't go to my local bar and, you know, talk to the my favorite bartender or go to my favorite little shop or my favorite coffee shop or, you know, the local produce stand or belong to a CSA or mm-hmm. any of those subscription or community farmers markets. We can do that, but it's not necessarily our community. It's our community right. for a short time. I think I missed that. Well, and one of the things that goes hand in hand with that is comfort and familiarity. It's sort of why Starbucks is so popular because you can hit a Starbucks no matter where you go and it feels like home. Do you, do you, does it ever wear you out to just be like, I have to find another new grocery store or does it mostly like invigorate you or does it depend on the day? It depends on the day. Ironically, we're recording this after a week, seven days, we traveled five times. seven days. So it was a relief to get here yesterday and pull the pillows out, right? 
right. if I don't make them set up home again one or two days, right? Not have to wrap because you know we wrap a lot of the glassware that I was talking about in mm -hmm. plastic wrap and napkins and things. So knowing that I could take my coffee cup and just set it there and not have to wrap it back up and put it away for travel, it was yeah, it was very nice to kind of know that we'd be settled for a week. But I love going to a new grocery store. I, you know, sometimes they have cool things or they might have a fun atmosphere, or fun vibe, or there's a neat restaurant in the town that we're going to. So, you know, the trade-off is, is huge, or I guess the trade-off is worth it is a better way to describe it because what I don't have in the familiarity, I have in the excitement of something new. Yeah. And I, it goes back to the whole silver lining. You know, I could, you know, I have, I have RV friends who, who are always feel like that. I feel like they're complaining about the size of their shower. And I think to myself, but you have a shower in your <laughs> RV. You, you don't have to go shower at the campground bathroom if you don't want to, yeah. you, you know, and these RV showers, like our RV shower is pretty big. I mean, it's, it's not a single telephone booth. Like there's actually room to like move your arms a little bit all the way, but <laughs> Well, and I think that is so much about happy living any, anywhere and in any situation is, are you a glass half full or a glass half empty person? Because you're right, just the miracle of plumbing, on-demand plumbing should be something that every day we do a big old dance about. And most of us forget to have that gratitude and go, I have on-demand hot water. This is, I mean, that's crazy pants, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So if you hadn't taken that leap into mobile living, what do you think you would have missed out on? We would have missed out on so much. And I think I was thinking about this yesterday and I don't know what brought it up, but people always, people have asked, oh, I, you and your husband are still married after this. <laughs> and I think this has made us stronger together as a couple. Because it everything go one way or the other. And I can imagine, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that it would make, it would really take a toll, but I just don't know that we would have, that, that the connection that we have, the way that we get together as a team and, and work through situations that come up or problems that we have to solve or obstacles that we were talking about, we now can, now we look at those and we're like, this is a team effort. And I feel like in the house, it was very much, well, you go to your job and I go to my job and we'll get back at dinner time. And now it's more like, oh, this is something that's going on in my day. We get to, we get to do that together. And I just, I feel like we're stronger because of this. And, but I could see it going a different way. I could see people having issues with the small, yeah. small living space. I think it takes a lot of courage to basically put yourself into a multi-year team building exercise. That's really what you guys put yourself into because nothing, as we said, nothing is familiar. You can do all the planning you want, but you're not going to be able to anticipate everything. And you guys are in a tiny space and you have to figure it out together without losing it. And that's, that does take a lot of courage. Yeah. And and it's allowed us to grow too and really ask ourselves, what do we want? Mm -hmm. You know, for so much of our lives, we lived far enough away from our families to where all vacations, anytime there was a family event, we would go. And now mm -hmm. we get to say, our home's on wheels. 
do we want to go? How long do we want to stay? And it's the, it's the beauty of being able to say, we're coming home for a month or mm. we can meet you on that vacation because we can go and we can work while mm. we're there and still vacation. Or why don't you come meet us in this cool place? And it's given us so much opportunity to spend time with people that we likely wouldn't have been able to spend as much time with for the duration that we're spending it with. So to be able to yeah, go and- Because you're not having to give up all the travel days too. Like you just can arrive and then you can actually go back to work in the evenings or whatever. It's all right there with you. Exactly. I'm curious as somebody who is planning to be an expat in France within a couple of years, fingers crossed, one of my worries is Wi-Fi. I'm worried that I, I, if, if I'm going to continue my business, I have to have a really good connection to both my coaching clients and to my team at Seriously Happy Homes. I have you, I mean, I'm assuming you've had moments where the Wi-Fi you expected it to be good and it wasn't. How have you handled that professionally? Well, it's, it is a bear and we've, we have definitely had some situations where it's a phone and a prayer that you're going to get have a signal that's strong enough to be able to stream video and record, right? right? Yeah. Because, because I also coach. And so to have that connection with my clients is very important, especially the video connection, because you can, you just connect to people over the video differently. And yeah. in, you know, as a coach of lifestyle, like that's a big messy change for some people. And so for mm -hmm. them, they need that connection. So we have a couple of options. We use cellular devices. So when I'm planning campgrounds and booking campgrounds, I always, when I book it, I always ask, how's your AT&T? How's your Verizon? I started using, so one of our devices is actually a router that allows you to connect via ethernet cord. Hmm. So I actually have a direct connection to my computer now, instead of having it come in via cellular and then go through the house as a Wi-Fi. it does both. But for my videos, I, because I require such high bandwidth, I connect hmm. and my husband doesn't require that level of uh, bandwidth. So he will either jump on this one or he'll jump on our, our Verizon one. And we just try and keep a little bit of a plan as to who's going to use which one when based mm -hmm. on, you know, our events or the schedule. You actually, but you invested in actually having two services as a backup system. Yes. And then our pivot option is always a coffee shop. So it's, we haven't ever had to use that. We almost did when we lost power. Right. It wasn't the internet that was the issue. It was that we didn't have power. And so we would have needed to go somewhere else to work, but eventually the power came back on. Yeah. But having strong internet was a requirement for my husband's job. So we did a lot of research on what needs to happen. We are not the people that you see camped out in a field in the middle of nowhere for mm -hmm. weeks at a time. We are usually plugged in an RV park near a you know, quality cellular service that allows mm -hmm. us to continue to work and, and make an impact. So it does take some planning and some forethought and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, some people would say it's a sacrifice to be traveling the country and not boondocking or camping out in the middle of nowhere. And we've been to some national parks where we wish we could have, you know, driven the RV down there and, and stayed in the park. And those are all future plans. You know, you mm -hmm. don't know until you go. And for us, we're usually booked out three to six months in advance. So it's mm -hmm. not something that we get all the way down to the park and we can say, oh, their internet's bad. We can't go there. 
then we'd have to drive back out. So for us, it takes four, you know, forethought, planning ahead. And then next time we go to that location, maybe we take a week off and we do go down there and camp unplugged or disconnected. And that would be, you know, to be able to do that would be kind of a joy, right? It would be like a vacation while we're on vacation. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it does, it does depend on somebody's current life chapter, right? Being retired and living the mobile life is different from trying to live a professional life at the same time and take some planning and and some trade-offs. But as you pointed out in the beginning of our conversation, you wouldn't be having any of these adventures at all if you hadn't gone for the fifth wheel lifestyle. And so, yeah, maybe you're not having all the adventures you want, but none of us have everything. And you've got a pretty good pile of awesomeness that you can pay attention to and focus on. Yes. Well, thank you. And we actually had somebody say to us, well, what are you going to do when you've seen it all? And I was like, it's impossible again. I mean, (laughs) you know, people will say, how long are you going to do this? And I'm like, we're going to go as far as we can see. And when the next chapter opens, we'll, we'll know then. And that's the beauty of this is as we travel, we can say, oh, these are places we want to come back to. This is a place where we'd want to take a week off and park park unplugged out amongst the stars and amongst the the nature and amongst the wildlife and what are what are one or two of those places oh montana 100 percent. yeah we had somebody tell us you really need to go to montana before we even left the road we were we were getting ready to move into the rv so that was two and a half years ago and we both looked at each other and we're like montana really interesting <laughs> and it took us these two years and we left glacier a little over a month ago completely in love with Montana. We loved everything about it, the weather, the people, the nature, just so vast in the wildlife. And we definitely love Montana. And we really liked the Big Bend National Park area of Texas. Hmm, I've not been in that area. What did you love about it? That was, it was low key. It was so far away from everything. I mean, the campground we stayed in was a good hour and a half drive to the entrance of the park. And then the park is huge. It was just it was very cool. And I think the remoteness and just the, the scenery and they have mountains and fields. I, it just, <laughs> I, I, I guess we're mountain people, but that, that doesn't mean I don't love flip flops at a beach, but in Key West, of course, was one of our, yeah, just being, I mean, the RV park that we were in, we were backed right in on the water and got to watch the sun come up mm. right out of the back window, right over the water. I mean, that sounds like a scene right out of a movie. Yeah, you can't make it up some of the places we've stayed. Going back to your professional path for a quick second, you know, you said you enjoy discovering new grocery stores. And I remember, um, I think I read in the budget-based plant-eating cookbook that you wrote. If you'd like to say the actual title of that, you're welcome to. But you said one of the really important things is being flexible. So I imagine that you've had a lot of practice at that because of the adventure that you're on. I'm curious, have you come across any new ingredients in your travels or ingredients that you hadn't really gotten a lot of uh, opportunity to play with? Like, I just think of like the South and okra. Okra is not a lot, something we see a lot up here in the Northwest. You know, have you had any moments like that with food? So we've been very, we were very inspired by the, the cuisine in Texas, ironically. We started making we started making our own tortillas. So now we buy masa and make our own corn tortillas. Well, my husband Yum. makes them. So 
so that was fun. And now it's like a, we don't buy store-bought tortillas. We just plan ahead and really buy in those ingredients. Something else that we have found, some of the grocery stores have amazing local spices, which you would never, you, know, huh. you go into a Whole Foods and it's pretty much all the all the same spices that, that they sell at every Whole Foods. But when you go into these little grocery stores, we found one that had dried herbs on an entire wall, dried mint. I never knew that you could use have dried mint. I always thought it had to be fresh. Yeah. And so we use that in one of the cookbooks just to, just, you know, to pizzazz it up and see how it works. And then it obviously could be fresh too, but just different things like that. We, and we love looking, you know, going to new restaurants where we'll always try and find something that's either local or something that's special about, about that restaurant. And so we're usually inspired by the cuisine in all places. I remember we were at this little tiny beach town that's known for its seafood in Florida. And the next week we were making blackened tofu fillets because our friends kept talking about how they went and had blackened fish. And I was like, we have to make a, a vegan version of this blackened right. something to be able to enjoy the same kind of foods that they're eating. So it's just, it's just fun that our recipes and travels can, or our recipes can be inspired by our travels. Yeah. I also imagine that being able to travel with your own kitchen as a vegan is helpful because you can't find good vegan food in all places readily. I would agree. <laughs> there are some places and you're thinking the only option might might be a salad in this town I think they're pretty neat heavy but I know, we, when, you, when you mentioned the cuisine of Texas I'm like hello beef I mean right <laughs> right and it's it's interesting it's usually those you know we so I always say we use happy cow to find restaurants and we found Wait, one what, out what is that it's called happy cow it's an app mm -hmm. So you can put in the zip code of where you're traveling and it'll pull up other places that people have eaten that have had vegan options. And it's for vegan options. Well, vegan and vegetarian. Cool. I will have to check that out. So it's yes. happy, like happy cow and it's an app. Happy cow and it's an app. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so we'll use that to look for restaurants in the area. And we often will find those random off the beaten path where they're like, this restaurant has the best, whatever it is. And they can make it vegan. And you're like, well, we got to go there. And we actually found a little Mexican restaurant outside of Capitol Reef National Park in Utah. And it was so good. I mean, the food was just so good. And like, you wouldn't think this tiny little town in Utah has this Mexican restaurant that knows what veganism even is, and then has uh, more than one option on the menu. That is super. I'm super excited to know about that resource because while I am not a entirely plant-based eating person, I do try to bias my eating that way. And it can be really tough when you're traveling. So broad picture, what advice would you give to someone wanting to create their happy place, whether it's mobile or not mobile? My big broad advice is really to bring the comforts of home. When you're real, when you're in that decision-making mode of what you're going to keep, don't make your environment so sterile that you miss out on those little pieces. For example, we had one of our wedding photos made into a canvas because if it falls off the wall while we travel, it's probably not going to get broken. It, you know, it's just wood in a canvas. Yeah. 
and really bring the pillows, bring the blanket, give yourself those comforts of home so that you are reminded that this is a home and it's not a stare, necessarily a sterile environment that's temporary. Yeah. And actually it makes me think that I mean, there's so many on-demand printing options these days. You could have put that same wedding photo on a pillow or on a blanket, you know? So there's so many ways to bring that personal touch home, but still accommodate the mobile earthquake lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> can't be fragile. Yeah. Yes. And what would you like to leave our guests with today? I really just want to inspire people to take imperfect action. You know, so many times we want everything to be lined up and we, we make decisions a little guarded and I think it requires holding hands, right? I remember when we got the offer on our house and we were, my husband and I were sitting at our, at our computer up in our loft at our, in our townhouse and there was an offer on the house and our agent had called and I kind of took his hand and I said, are we ready to go all in? And I just, I just encourage people to go all in on whatever dream they have, just go all in. Life is short. There's not time to not move forward. And then if anybody happens to be wanting to live a plant-based lifestyle and they would like to find you, where can folks find you? Yes. So Veg Inspired on Instagram. And I also have a Veg Inspired Foodies Facebook group where I moderate, I'm active, and I always do a live show every week with tips and trainings and recipes on how to eat more plants to you know, increase your energy and take control of your health and wellness. So I'd love to connect with anybody. Let me know that you found us here on Rebecca's show and yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. Fantastic. I feel like I've gone on an adventure with you through this conversation. It's been such fun. Thank you so much for sharing your hopes and dreams and adventures and courage with us. It's been remarkable. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank you, serious, ha Seriously Happy Home listeners. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Creating Your Happy Place and that you do feel a little bit more encouraged and empowered to make your home your happy place. And of course, if you're looking for some great plant-based recipes, you really should check out Kathy's three cookbooks. And if you're feeling a little less than happy in your home, please know that my book, Happy Starts at Home, is also here as a resource for you. It's full of exercises that are meant to help you figure out why your home isn't working for you and identify what needs to change. Thank you so much for joining me in season one of Creating Your Happy Place. And until we're back on the air, I hope your home makes you seriously happy. Until next time, everybody.